the SB Nation NFL show is on the clock, and we have it covered for you from every single angle here on the SB Nation NFL show. I am your host, Michael Kiss. This is episode 13 and the last episode of our NFL draft specials before we kind of scale down the regular programming coming into the summer months here at the NFL. But what we've been doing is we've been going through the NFL draft and just trying to like put a nice, neat bow on it. And here to help me do that today is my good friend from the Draft Network, from Bleeding Green Nation. Some may know him from our, our previous exploits together at the Kiston Solak Show at BGN as the best dog on co-host in the game, Benjamin Solak. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K, Ben. How you doing, brother? It's like, uh, it's like turning uh, onto the road of your childhood home where all of a sudden it just feels familiar. <laughs> Oh, yeah. there it is. And when the intro came in and it was like, oh, it's been Asian NFL show. I was like, what is this? I don't even know <laughs> what I'm supposed to say. But once we got to best dog on coast in the game, I was like, yeah, we're back home. Mike, I miss you, buddy. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing what? Is everything delicious? Yeah, everything is delicious. Uh, <laughs> we're in the off season now. So it's foolish, stupid, ridiculous narratives and cold calls from undisputed shows and Ben Roethlisberger <laughs> throwing 30 yards in training camp, but yeah. it's still delicious. It's still NFL coverage. And even though it's doldrum time, uh, we're glad that we have it. Yeah, it's it's so silly. And there's so many non-serious things happening that are being taken very, very serious by a lot of different fan bases and beat writers and so on and so forth. What we're here to do today is to do something that's actually serious that could actually impact your life, which is hopefully make you uh, some some money with some prop bets that are centered around of the 2021 NFL draft. So we are going to be looking at offensive, defensive side of the ball. We're going to be looking at prop bets from the 2021 NFL draft, the rookie class coming in. And Ben, let's just dig right in. Before we do, actually, if you're listening, leave your boy five stars in Apple Podcast. What are mm-hmm. you doing with your life? Subscribe, rate, review, all of that good stuff if oh, you wait. appreciate there might be yeah. some BGN radio listeners, but there's not. it's not all BGN radio listeners, so they won't know the bit. Uh, there's a bug right now on Apple Podcasts. Only five-star ratings are actually accepted. <laughs> if you do four through one, it just doesn't even work. So if you want to leave a review, please leave a review. And negative if you want. If you write one star in it, we'll change it later, but you have to mm-hmm. you just have to put five-star in. So that's, that's very unfortunate. Uh, it's a bug that's happening right now. It's never happened before, and it's just real. And so five stars, that's just the only way to do it. Yeah, and it's going on for as long as you're considering leaving <laughs> yeah. a review. If you're thinking to yourself, oh, it's probably over by now. It's not. Uh, <laughs> at any time we should listen to the show. Great point, Ben. So let's let's <laughs> dig into the prop bets stemming from the uh, from the draft. Obviously, we have to start with the big one, uh, offensive rookie of the year. And just looking at like the whole thing, there hasn't been a non-quarterback, non-running back offensive rookie of the year since 2014. We know Dell Beckham Jr. caught 91 balls, 1,300 yards, 12 touchdowns. It is important to know that the first-round quarterbacks that year were Blake Bortles, Johnny Manziel, and Teddy Bridgewater. So OBJ did have some luck there. In fact, uh, that rookie quarterback class was so underwhelming. It was Zach Martin, the Cowboys guard, that received the second most votes awesome. for the award, right? right. What a Looking great way to tell. Looking up who got the second most votes is fun <laughs> because usually it's like that's the guy who actually was a really good rookie. And then the first guy was just like narratives or whatever. You know what I mean? Like this right. year, Justin Jefferson second to Justin Herbert. Well, Jefferson was the most impressive rookie, but Herbert's the quarterback. Two years ago, it was Josh Jacobs who was like over, I think, 1,200 yards from scrimmage for the mm-hmm. Raiders. Kyler Murray mm-hmm. wins the award, right? So second is like the fun one to look at. But yeah. Only three receivers have won the award since 2000. Uh, so you're looking at if a 
quarterback is good, especially if their team comes over the win total expectation, uh, right. that quarterback's going to win the award. If that does not happen, it's going to be a running back with counting stats, a running back with volume. So this mm-hmm. year, if you think all five of the quarterbacks are bad, then you're going to take Najee Harris at plus 800 because he's going to get a ton of volume for the Steelers. He's clearly their bell cow back. Uh, he's going to catch passes. He's going to score touchdowns. He's good, good short yardage back. He's going to have all the counting stats. However, I don't think anybody thinks all five of these quarterbacks are going to do poorly. So it's mm. it's, it's figuring out which one to land on in terms of their prices. But betting offensive rookie of the year is find the quarterback who's going to succeed. He's got to start a lot of games. Uh, offensive rookie of the year, you have to start. I think it's at least like 13 games, I want to say, is, is the minimum right. for, for guys who've won it. Uh, and so you got to start a lot of games and your team's got to do slightly better than expected. And if so, it doesn't really matter what everybody else does. The award is yours. There's a different prop bet that we're going to talk about when it comes to like you, you mentioned how many games do they start. And there's something for that that we're going to dig into in a little bit. But just looking at like the quarterback potential uh, winners there, the first four quarterbacks here kind of are, are at the top of the odds. It's Trevor Lawrence is the favorite. Justin Fields right after him. Trey Lance. And then Zach Wilson, who can reverse the fortunes of their team and still produce at a high enough level to take home this award? Who is who are you putting your money on in this situation? Formula wise, Zach Wilson's your best bet. Uh, you're looking at Lawrence plus 300, Justin Fields and Trey Lance tied at plus 600, Wilson at plus 700 and Mac Jones at plus 1000. I right. think that in terms of players who were positive are going to get the full year, they're going to get a lot of starts. It goes Lawrence and Wilson at the top. Those guys mm-hmm. are clearly the starters for their teams. You're getting Wilson at at tw- better than two times better a price than you're getting for Lawrence. Now, that formula tells us Wilson. Then we have to ask ourselves, how much do we believe in his talent? And I was a guy who was a little bit lower on Wilson relative to the league. He goes number Same. two overall. Uh, I'm not sure how well he's going to play relative to a guy like Justin Fields, who I ranked much higher who's there at plus 600. So do I want to take a Wilson at a plus 700 or go for Fields at plus 600? I'm inclined to because at the end of the day, I want to bet on talented players. I want to bet on players I believe in to take Fields at 600 because I think he has that level of talent. It is tricky with the question of, is he going to start? But the trade of the future first and the urgency of the Bears to to win some games, coaching right. staff on the front office, GM, coaching staff and front office on the hot seat, excuse me, uh, indicates to me Fields is likelier to start early than perhaps a Trey Lance, also at plus 600, 600, also a guy that was traded up for, but you have to imagine Shanahan and Lynch are a little bit more set in their jobs, and also they've been better committed to Garoppolo. They have more reason to believe Garoppolo can be decently good early than the Bears do. The Bears just Mm. signed, okay, Andy Dalton, who was a backup last year. You know what I mean? Like, that's what he was. Even though they gave him decent money, he still was a backup last year, so it, it's not unreasonable. It would not be surprising to see him be a backup again. Whereas, if Jimmy's on the roster, there's going to be guys on the team, like you know, as, like George Kittle expressed this pre-draft, that expect him to start and think that Jimmy has earned that. And so, managing that in the locker room, especially with a young player like Lance and FCS guys, trickier. And so, Wilson at plus seven hundred is good process, and Fields at plus six hundred is good process. Assuming you have that much more faith in Fields to be good early than Wilson to be good early, which I do. You can argue system, and I think Wilson's helps a little bit more, um, but I think Fields is going to have a better defense. That's going to lead to some wins. The Bears' win totals right now is about eight. Uh, They haven't won fewer than eight games under Nagy ever. 
So to me, they're going to be a team that overachieves. I don't think the NFC North's very good. So I think they have a win, uh, an extra win or two there. Fields is my favorite bet. And then Wilson also makes sense in terms of process. And I think the other thing you look at is like, what are they working with in terms of, of weapons? And with Wilson, I mean, it looks pretty good because they bring in Corey Davis. Denzel Mims comes into his second year. They already have Jamison Crowdery there, but then you also draft Elijah Moore. Okay, so it's better than I think what Fields is going to have, even though like Allen Robinson has fooled us on a lot of quarterbacks in the past with how well he's made them look. You look at what the 49ers have, and I think you get, okay, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, maybe Julio Jones, question mark, right? That's going to help any quarterback. And that was a big thing last year. Justin Herbert was the Zach Wilson bet. He was at plus 1600 to win the award, significantly below Burrow, who was plus 250, and Tua, who was plus 1000. And it was okay. He's He's got a great opportunity to start, which... It it wasn't actually a great opportunity to start. It took Tyrod Taylor accidentally getting stabbed by a team doctor in the lung to start. Like, let's never forget that that was a thing. But uh, Herbert at plus 1,600, he has a good chance to start. And then if he goes out there, you got Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. You can only be so bad throwing the ball to Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. And that's kind of how things ended up for Herbert. So that, right, that infrastructure in terms of having good weapons, as you argue for Wilson, is, is a similar argument to Herbert. And obviously, Herbert ended up cashing out in a big way. Let's talk about non-QB winners. Does Kyle Pitts do it for, for the Falcons? To, I mean, despite the fact that a tight end, if I'm not mistaken, has never taken home the hardware. Calling tight end Kyle Pitts, that's a, a weird thing to say, right? He's probably more of a uh, – the way you deploy him is going to be more like a Kelsey – Right, he's just a big fast X that you can also put in the slot and and move around and whatnot. It is you mentioned Najee Harris, right? His quote unquote thirty to forty carries a game for the Steelers. Is that enough opportunity to just win it out of sheer production? Uh, or Jamar? Actually, let's play a game with the wide receivers in a second. Okay. But first, non-wide receiver, any of these guys have a chance if the quarterbacks like falter? Who do you who do you got from running backs and and uh, and possibly tight end? Right. So. Pitts is a catch 22. Okay, so he's at plus 800. It's, it's too, those are way too strong of odds for me to take because rookie tight ends typically don't produce. Uh, Pitts is going to be used in a very different way in the NFL than he was used in college. If he gets like flexed out all the time, it's going to be way more than he was flexed out at Florida. He he was great when he was flexed out, but it's going to be a lot more. Uh, And he's going to be against. uh, cover corners who are more accustomed going up against such height weight speed guys in the nfl as they were in the sec even though the sec is so great whatever still it's a big difference so rookie tight ends are very hard to trust production wise uh you don't this wasn't a high volume tight end target offense in tennessee people seem to think it was it just used a lot of tight ends but it really spread the targets around with the tight ends then it was heavy volume for the wide receivers so there's a lot of reasons to say no which means if Pitts is good, he's getting the award because it's going to be <laughs> the first ever rookie tight end to be good. You know what I mean? Like it'll right. be it's narrative. Um, right. So that's why it's a catch 22 is it's like all the reasons to not bet Pitts. If he overcomes them, he's going to have a really, really strong argument. Um, but I'm, mm. I'm going to avoid that because as much as I liked Kyle Pitts as a prospect, uh, you know, and you, you compare him to Kelsey, you compare him to Waller. Both of those guys and Waller obviously had a little bit of a position switch. Both of those guys yeah. took a year or two to get off the ground you know that that's a tough role to to grab right away in year one so i'm off on pits like i said if i'm not taking a quarterback i'm taking Najee harris uh travis Etienne at plus 2000 i don't want a piece of because that 
whole offense is going to be weird and they're figuring stuff out and There's you know James Robinson's there and yeah right and and they oh Carlos High and Etienne's going to be our third down back and you know that Urban Meyer offense is very spread touches around spread the love so I don't like it mm-hmm. I'd rather take Javante Williams who's also at plus 2000 if I'm going to be mm-hmm. that if I'm going to go for like big dark horse sort of a guy but generally it, it with the talent in this quarterback class I don't want to leave that position I I'm pretty sure one of these guys is going to be good enough that he's going to win the Offensive Rookie of the Year award. And it's a matter of sussing out who do I like at value. So there's three wide receivers at uh, ranging from plus 1,100 to, to plus 1,600. And there are the three wide receivers that were going off the board first in the draft. So let's play nudge one, hug one, marry one. We're going to go oh. with Jamar Chase from the Bengals. We're going to go to Devonta Smith from the Eagles and, and Jalen Waddle of the Miami Dolphins, who is the next OBJ in terms of rookie bro- breakouts that uh, could possibly steal the thing. Uh, am I doing this with their prices considered or just in a vacuum? Let's do it with prices considered, and then you could tell me, like, who you think is most likely to, like, get second in voting. I got Maybe those are the same thing, but yeah. All right. All right. So I'm nudging Waddle. Uh, a lot of mouths to feed in that receiver room. Uh, Will Fuller added. Devontae Parker added. Or not Devontae Parker. Added, Devontae Parker already there. And... Yeah. I am concerned about quarterback play in Miami. I'm more concerned about it in Philadelphia, but right. there's far fewer mouths to feed in Philly. I also think that Miami wants to be a team that wins with their defense. It's not like they're going to be out here trying to hit explosives. Not like they're going to be out here, uh, you know, racking up 38 to 35 wins, which they 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 can do, and Tua's proven he can do it against Arizona last year. I don't think it's what they want identity-wise with, with Brian Flores. I, I so I think. Waddle's going to be used maybe in more of a, a lower volume way uh, than you'd like to see for this award. Between Chase and Smith, yeah, I'm probably just hugging Smith because, like I said, I don't really trust the the quarterback play in Philadelphia. New coaching staff, uh, and obviously Hurts has thrown it to Devontae before uh, when they were at Alabama together, which right. was 2018. Yeah, 2018. Uh, so there's some rapport there. I expect him to be willing to target Devontae. The coaching staff there loves Devontae. They spent an early pick on him after taking a first-round receiver, so they clearly want to make him a feature player. It's just I don't think the Eagles are very good. So it's very hard to win Rookie of the Year on a not-very-good team. You have to be ludicrously productive, which Smith certainly was last year, but there's reason to believe he won't be transitioning to the NFL, especially with the size concerns. And then, yeah, Jamar Chase was won the Blitnikoff with Joe Burrow two years ago. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that, you you expect them to be able to pick up where they left off. You expect the Bengals to throw the ball a lot. Uh, so there's opportunity for big time counting stats. Uh, that all gives you an indication that Chase is going to be productive. Certainly he's competing with T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd for reps. Yeah. But it is worth remembering that Joe Burrow's only got a year with those guys. Uh, and even with Higgins and Boyd in hand, the Bengals felt it worthy to take Jamar Chase with the top five pick with Penny Sewell on the board and with a big offensive tackle need. So they know what they've got in Boyd and Higgins, and they still went to go get Chase. Indicates that they're willing to make him a feature target, in my opinion. Let, let's go to some, uh, let's go to, back to the quarterbacks because we got a couple uh, over unders to hit here quickly. Trevor Lawrence, the over under for his uh, passing yards total is at 4,150. Point five. I want to make sure yeah. that we note the point five there. Which, man, you know, if, we're, if we're acting like we like, you know, if that's close, that's going to be hilarious. You got Lavishka Chenault there. You got my man DJ Chark, who I'm a big fan of. Ben knows that there are weapons there for for Trevor Lawrence. Do you think he's over under forty one hundred fifty point five? All right, so that's come down. Uh, it opened the top of man 
420 something 430 something uh you're such a degenerate i love it yeah well i thought i was laughing you like oh i'll bring you on for the betting podcast i was like you bullied me about betting for years on our show <laughs> together and then you were like hey forget it um <laughs> so over 4,000 is a pretty substantial number to hit and obviously yeah. adjusting usually the numbers are for a 16 game season this number is for a 17 game season so it's 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 pretty big uh they need to be a quite a good passing offense early to get this done and that's one of the worries is that i think lawrence is going to have a longer onboarding process than a lot of people realize uh played in a super college offense rpoe very gimmicky very oh three over three we're throwing a bubble screen and amari rogers is going to pick up eight yards for me on a depth of target throw of negative six you know what i mean like that is closer to what urban meyer did but it's very very far from what Daryl Bauer and Brian Schoenheimer do. And that's your right. offensive coordinator and your passing game coordinator, quarterbacks coach there in Jacksonville. Uh, that was, you know, very vertical based to take our deep shots offense, which works very nicely with DJ Chark. And they brought in Marvin Jones. And so I think they're going to be a little bit more pro style offense than it would seem for an Urban Meyer coach team. And I think that's going to take a little bit of time for Lawrence to get his sea legs under him. So for me, that's an under projection. The worry is that what your main concern is, is that the Jaguars are going to be able to, or excuse me, not be able to, the Jaguars are going to lose a lot of games. Uh, They're going to be behind in a lot of games. So you're going to get a ton of garbage time production from Lawrence. It's possible. Uh, there's really not much you can do about that if that's if that's the case and he's putting up 300-yard performances early because he's picking up 175 yards in the back 20 minutes of the game. That sucks. I don't think it'll be the case. Urban's always been philosophically a very run-first sort of a guy, and that's not anti that which Schottenheimer and Bevel have been historically in terms of running to set up deep play action shots. I think they're going to be run heavy. And so to me, it's an under bet because for as esteemed of a prospect Lawrence is, I just think it takes time for a rookie to get his sea legs. And if he's not great for the first six, seven games, then he's not going to be in range of this number. Do you think the way like their offensive coaching staff is constructed and the way it may, may look on the field, it's kind of like, like when Chip Kelly came to the NFL He's bringing this innovative offensive system and whatnot, but then he hires Pat Shermer, who was like this tradition, more traditional type of guy. Is that kind of the dynamic that you're getting in the Jaguars? Do you expect it to be more urban than it is Bevel? I think it's going to be philosophically urban mm-hmm. and design-wise Bevel. Uh, okay. Taking a college offense, and you and I know this, Eagles fans watching Chip Kelly, taking <laughs> a college offense and bringing it to the league is a lot more about philosophy we're going to be hurry up. We're going to be spread. Right. Uh, we're going to with pre-snap motion. Then it is structure because the way the hashes are separated in college versus the league just completely changes yeah. what you can do. Uh, so much of college offense is manipulating the field and the boundary. And by field and boundary, uh, for offensive designation, the field is the wide side of the field, right? And the boundary is the short side of the field. So the ball is placed on the left hash, which means everything to the right is, is there's so much space, that's the field. And then from the left hash to the sideline, that's the boundary, and that's the tight area of the field. And if you've got good athletes, which is what Urban always had, then you just... We're just going to put the ball into the field and we're going to make secondary players make tackles in a ton of space. In the NFL, the hashes are much closer together. And so the difference between the field and the boundary is is smaller. Yeah. It changes your structure completely. Uh, You can't just be like, all right, you know, uh, you know, like the entire Alabama game plan against Ohio State was formation to the boundary, formation to the boundary, formation to the boundary. And like that doesn't work as easily. It's not as much of a spam X sort of situation uh, (laughs) when you're in the league. And so I think philosophically, run approach. Athletes in space, 
uh, running back wide receiver hybrids, like we're talking about with Travis Etienne, like we're talking about with LaVisca Chanel, quarterback run. Philosophically, Urban. Design-wise, I think you're going to see, like, if, you, if, you, if you just took Urban's traditional West Coast passing, it would be not too difficult for an NFL defense to match up with that. So I think you're yeah. going to get bevel deep vertical play action brian schottenheimer deep vertical deep crossing play action so i think you're you're going to see a blend there that's ideal if they walk out and just try to make trevor lawrence pure pocket passer in a bevel offense like stafford was right. not going to be good for him if they try to run the urban offense it's going to work like chip kelly it's going to work at first and then eventually teams are going to be like all right we have data we know what you do when you're in x position when you're in x down in distance when you're in x formation we're going to be you because yeah. this offense is too simple. Uh, and so there has to be a marriage. And I think there will be. Uh, and it's fin- finagling all of those moving parts, new quarterback, new head coach, new new offensive coordinators. That takes time. And that's why I'm a little bit more bearish on Lawrence early. Yeah, and Ur- Urban's worked with a variety of quarterbacks throughout his his career. And his schemes have been pretty decent at adapting to those. Let's go Let's go to back to Zach Wilson. His uh, We're going to go 300 yards down. His passing yards total over under 3,800. Well, 30. 30- 3850.5 you over or under yeah so if he were to hit that that pace right that that's about 225 220 i think yards per game it is mm-hmm. it would put him like just outside the top 10 of all-time rookie passing yards so that's what we're looking at in terms of a 16 game season yeah. right lawrence would be at like top five or something like that it's right crazy. wilson is going from a sit like the exact not the exact same. He's going from a very similar system in BYU uh, to what he's taking with the Jets, and that's reason to be excited. And they've got a nice smorgasbord of new weapons and and guys that fit good roles, and that's reason to be excited. Mm-hmm. And they're probably going to be behind in games, and they're going to be able to push the ball down the field, and that's reason to be excited. I'm more likely to take the over on Wilson than I am to be taking on Lawrence, to be honest. Okay. With that said, it goes back down again to I want to bet on on talented players. I don't love Zach Wilson as a as a uh, prospect. The concerns that I have definitely also correlate to passing yardage because he threw a lot of deep balls successfully, ripped off a lot of chunk gains successfully at BYU, and he did it by holding onto the ball for a while yeah. and letting routes develop downfield and running around like a hooligan and <laughs> making plays with his legs. Right, and I think he's going to take, especially early, a lot more sacks. And it's not like sacks are minuses on your passing yards; it's just when they try to put the ball deep downfield, that's where your big chunk gain is going to come, your big passing yard gains. I, I think that Wilson is not as accustomed to the pace and the urgency and the pressure that that's going to instill in the league as opposed to what he had in college where that BYU offensive line was just the walls of Jericho, man. I mean, they he had so much time in such <laughs> a beautiful pocket. And so uh, I'm, I'm, I am worried about that. So I would generally like to stay away from this line because I could see how that system is just going to give him throws behind the line of scrimmage, give him speed outs, give him nine balls, everything he got at BYU, and he's going to be perfectly productive, even if the film quality isn't great. So I don't, I don't want to take this line. If I do take it, I'll probably still take the under, just because I'm worried about the player a little bit. But I would not be surprised to see him be a productive guy in terms of passing yards, because he's going to be able to step in right away, and they're going to be familiar with the reads and familiar with the calls and what he likes and how he works them. So we're going to round this out with the other three quarterbacks before we hit the break here. But there's a prop bet for week one starting quarterback, and it involves uh, three different teams here. So there's the Bears, which has Andy Dalton, minus 250 versus Justin Fields at plus 200. There's the Patriots, Cam Newton, minus 278, Mac Jones, plus 275. There's the 49ers, Jimmy Garoppolo, minus 278 as well, 
Trey Lance plus 220. Which rookie of these three do you feel most confident in laying your money down on? I already have so much money on Fields Week 1 starter. <laughs> so much. And to me, that's... that's They gotta. It's not that that is a particularly bad line. I, I do think it is. I think Fields should be lower. It's that to get him at a price similar to Lance... And even like earlier when when this opened, it's it's moved down, but it was like similar to Jones at first. Is crazy. Yeah. Uh, Bears traded up. Bears have a ton of pressure, and it's Dalton. Like the Bears have never started Andy Dalton. They've never started him. They've never committed to him as the starter. Uh, I know they tweeted out QB one, but we all made fun of that because we all knew that wasn't real. <laughs> like the Patriots have started Newton. They've done that mm-hmm. before. They know what it looks like. They've gotten it to work. Whatever. And Belichick loves Newton. It. it was a matter of health last year, like COVID plus the injury that kind of really spiraled things for Newton. Garoppolo, again, they've started him. And and there's a other side of that coin, which is, well, yeah, they've started him. So they know what he is. And they went and drafted Trey Lance. So, mm. you know, it's not like they want to keep starting him. But if they're going to treat Trey Lance properly, uh, it would make sense that they consider setting him uh, right. early. And so yep. to get Fields at a similar price, a little bit uh, worse price, but still similar price is awesome to me. Uh, that that That's great value. And so I'm, I'm, I'm taking that Justin Fields line and I'm most confident in that. If I'm taking the Niners line, I'll probably take Trey Lance at the current money. Mm. Uh, though that one is with less confidence. If I'm taking the Patriots line, I'm probably taking Newton. Same. Uh, I do not think they're starting Mac in week one. I don't think they want to. I don't think that makes sense for how the offense is built and what, what they like in terms of their construction. I don't really understand the Mac pick in general, though. And so that may just be me carrying over my biases of not really getting the pick in general. But take Fields. To me, that's that's as good of an offseason bet as you're going to get. I would, I would agree, especially with the Cam Newton thing. They've got the biggest spread there in terms of odds for Cam Newton starting, and, and I would agree that mm-hmm. Cam Newton starts there. I I can't really see Bill Belichick rolling out Mac Jones in, in week one, right? They're going to try to make it work one more time. Cam was in such a bad situation. Last, like, not to make too right. many excuses for the guy, but like you mentioned, the, the injuries, the COVID. Listen, the f- that there's no way you're forgetting what they that, that game they almost won against the Seahawks on Sunday right. Night Football when right. Cam was healthy and it was week two and it was whatever. Uh, the other thing is, like, figuring out starts is tricky. Uh, they might, like, there's a whole, like, all right, they'd want Newton as the running quarterback. They're going to use him in short yardage and they use him in the goal line. And, like, maybe they'll use Mac. On passing downs, it's like, all right, none of that makes any sense. But they know what they can do with Cam right away in terms of take the running quarterback playbook from last year, put it out on the field, yeah. and expect the passing game to be better simply because he's no longer throwing to Demir Bird. He's throwing to Kendrick Bourne hmm. and Nelson Aguilar and Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the total opposite of the Bears situation where Bill Belichick feels zero pressure whatsoever right. about his job to, to roll out a rookie starter. So definitely different there. All right. When we come back here on the SB Nation NFL show, Kiston Solak edition, uh, we're going to flip sides and we're going to talk about some defensive prop bets with this rookie class that's coming up next right after this. And we are back here on the SB Nation NFL show and we are talking rookie prop bets. We covered the offense. Michael Kist here with Benjamin Solak. We're going to cover the defense. So let's start at the top here with the defensive rookie of the year Award defense is is not as clear cut in terms of position uh, as offense. You've got pass rushers, you've got defensive tackles, off ball linebackers like Darius Leonard uh, have won it recently. Luke Keekley, if you want to go back to 2012, uh, cornerbacks ha- have all uh, claimed the the award as well. Last year, Chase Young brought home the uh, hardware with seven and a half sacks. The year before, it was Nick Bosa with nine st- nine sacks. Mm-hmm. So that's two straight edge rushers. 
it's hard to for me when I look at it, it's hard to see another defensive end doing it this year. But at the same time, like based on all the all the things I, I've seen on this crop coming in, like I maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's Jalen Phillips, but like, do you disagree, Ben? Or are we looking elsewhere other than defensive end this year? Who's who's your favorite there? Yeah, no, I like Jalen Phillips for it. So you have right. So like you you've said, it's been a lot of different positions. It's difficult to riddle out. And over the last 21 awards, so 2000 to 2020, uh, seven edges and nine off-ball linebackers. So 69 to 21, about 75% of the time, those two positions. And then other than that, you got a good pass-rushing defensive tackle, Aaron Donald, Sheldon mm. Richardson. You've got a, a really productive rookie corner right away. But corners are like tight ends. Usually year one, we do not see good play, and then we kind of get up there in year two and year three. So I like to stick with edges, and I like to stick with off-ball linebackers. Off-ball linebackers is the same thing as running backs. If you're going to bring up a bunch of counting stats, you're going to be in the conversation. It's a question of, did somebody else do something more impressive? But like Patrick Crean was getting defensive rookie of the year talk this year, and Patrick Crean's film was not that good. It was just he was get on the tackles because he played Mike for the Ravens and yep. you running plays and he made tackles. And he was fast enough to make tackles <laughs> under the boundary. And so that's why you see like Jamin Davis at some books, the Washington linebacker is, has the best odds at, at he's at like plus 500 plus 600 DraftKings has him at plus 800 below Michael Parsons, but Parsons and Jamin Davis, two of the three highest drafted linebackers, both of them expected to play a traditional linebacker role, uh, are going to accumulate counting stats. They're going to accumulate tackles. And a guy like Parsons is going to get sacks because of his frame. And so you like those players for those bats. But Jalen Phillips, who's plus 700, so he's the second behind Michael Parsons, film and build was a clear top 10 pick. Mm. Not a, It doesn't end up a top 10 pick because of concussion history yeah. and, and those injuries and the longevity. But it's not a... Whenever teams have medical red flags, it's always tricky because that that's a bucket term and sometimes it means we don't know if he'll be available to play in year one right like jeffrey simmons was a medical red flag coming out because he tore his acl in the process so right. we don't know what he's gonna rehab like uh uh you know aziz ojalari goes in the second round georgia edge because he has a degenerative knee problem that was right. the rumor so that's a worry that he's just gonna be a first contract player there's no reason to believe he won't start in year one right it's just how long will he play for us caleb farley who had back injury is more so like is he coming back to hell? Is he going to have back surgery every year? That's a, like, do we get 16 games out of him in year one? So what is Jalen Phillips? It's concussions. And concussion is extremely difficult to prognosticate, right? It, that's one of the things that makes concussion such an important injury is that it's very difficult to figure out when it happens and why it happens recursively and so on and so forth. And so accepting the risk of Phillips having another concussion, which God forbid, we hope it doesn't happen. The film is such that he could be an eight plus sack rookie which is typically what we want to see for a defensive rookie of the year chase young was 7.5 uh nick bosa was nine Ch Ch uh joey bosa was 10.5 so we're looking at at least eight sacks uh he has the the ability for that very clearly off his miami film and critically he has an nfl build uh and, and some guys even first round picks get drafted because eventually they're gonna have an nfl build that's yeah. like a jamin davis he's like 6'4 229 when he's good he will not be 229. He right. will be more than 229 because right. he's he's got the frame for it, but he's not yet physically there. And he's a, a new to the position and so on and so forth. So that's reasonable. When Jalen Phillips like stepped onto the field with UCLA as a freshman, it was like, holy Moses, he's 6'5", <laughs> 265. He was made yeah. to play this position. And for his career to go the way it did, he's 
even more physically developed than the usual five-star recruit who comes out after two years of college or three years because he's had a little bit more time at, at the college level. And so he's very, very, very pro-ready. He's going to Miami team where he's going to be the feature guy on third down. He's their best one-on-one pass rusher. Yeah. Uh, Emmanuel Ogba, they let go of Shaq Lawson, let go of Kyle Van Noy. He's going to be the guy that they try to isolate when they put their blitz packages out there. He's the one you want winning the one-on-one rep. He's going to get his opportunities and off of the film, very, very talented player in terms of turning pressures into sacks. Pressures do not win this award. So if you're a good pass rusher, but you can't finish, I don't care. Phillips can finish. He's very, very good at taking tight corners, big wingspan, strong arms. So he's going to turn pressures into sacks, and that's the numbers I want to see. So Phillips would have had a similar narrative coming into this draft as a Bosa, as a young, not as high, not as impressive, but he would have had a similar narrative and been a top 10 pick if not for the concussions. So if you're willing to take on the risk of the concussions, which I am at plus 700, plus 750, I'm going to take that bet. You putting any money on Micah Parsons at plus 500 Cowboys linebacker? I trust absolutely nothing about the Dallas defense. I have no idea what Dan Quinn is doing. I have no idea what Mike Quinn is thinking. They've got five linebacker. I do not. Keanu Neal's a linebacker. Leia Van Der Esch is a linebacker. Geno Smith is a linebacker. Micah Parsons is a linebacker. We're going to play Dak both ways. He's going to be our will. Like, they are nuts. And so <laughs> I like Parsons. Uh, I don't know if I want a piece of that Dallas defense in general. Throw in the fact that he was an opt-out, which we don't really talk about this with offense because most of those guys played. Yeah. Uh, you know, two years uh, two years since you played ball, only a one-year starter, reduced training camp. I don't know. I think it's going to take some time for you to get your, your, your engines running a little bit. Uh, yeah. Which, like I've said before, a long onboard worries me for rookie of the year, uh, especially because rookies generally have such a, a a big learning curve and so i'd rather take a guy like phillips who i think is very developed and very pro ready versus parsons who i think is still taking steps to get there so there's like two ways to look at that right because with parsons i think he's a magnificent blitzer right he's got everything you want to to go send him at the quarterback and they, that may mm-hmm. help boost his stats a little bit the other side of that is can you win defensive rookie of the year if you're on a defense that's giving up 30 points a game right, right. that's the other <laughs> thing it's like oh he's playing well Cowboys defense isn't, <laughs> you know, and that, and there's, there's less correlation in terms of like successful team, successful defense, but you obviously you want eyes on your team in general. And I think that the Dolphins defense in general will be considered better than the Dallas defense. I think that's not a bold thing to say. Um, <laughs> if you do want the fun linebacker pick to me, it's Zayvon Collins available plus 1200 out of Tulsa Ooh. first round pick linebacker. Uh, I should have said at the top, I forgot to, um, the one thing that is true of defensive rookie of the year is that that player is almost invariably a first round pick. And in 17 of the last 21 winners has been a top 16 pick Mm -hmm. it, which, you know, this sounds dumb, but it's not the case on offense. Uh, In general, you need to be a first round pick to win this award. Uh, It's very, very like, I think it was D'Amico Ryans who was the last (laughs) winner who wasn't a first round pick. And he was like picked 34 or something like that. Uh, So Zavin was a top half, top half of the first round pick. He was 16 overall. Uh, off-ball linebacker is going to get counting stats uh he's discounted right now because jordan hicks is still on the roster and isaiah simmons was an earlier pick quote unquote at linebacker uh and simmons kind of came on last season but i'm not certain that he's going to be at, as good at linebacker as david collins is right. uh, and they're trying to trade away jordan hicks so if they successfully trade hicks yeah collins price jumps and so you can get it now at 1200 if you think that Hicks trade is going to go through. And uh, he's got the, the same argument with Parsons where he's going to get blitzed. That's a very blitz-heavy team in Arizona. 
Uh, so he's going to get blitzed, and he has the size and the frame and the experience to be a successful blitzer. So you're going to get some production behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, and It's not unreasonable that he is a heavy snap, heavy tackle guy after the Hicks trade. And so I would rather get Collins at plus 1,200 than take Parsons at plus 500. Let's go with, uh, this isn't a prop bet that I saw and totally making it up, but if it is in the future, you see it somewhere, maybe you can pick it up. Let's have a little fun with this one. We're going to go to the defensive backs, likely, anyway. We're going to go with most interceptions for a rookie. Is it J.C. Horn at Carolina? Is it Patrick Sertan at Denver? Is it Greg Newsome? Uh, is it Javon Holland, right? The safety in Miami. Who are you putting your money on to have the most interceptions as a rookie? So if I'm looking for interceptions, I'm staying away from safeties. Safeties get interception out of luck. Corners yeah. get out of skill and yep. luck. Um, but a safety doesn't often, you know, depending on the role, like right. cover a guy. Usually he's covering an area. And if a quarterback is smart, he doesn't throw it to the area. <laughs> uh, and so if your safety is playing well, he's not getting picks because he's not getting targets. Uh, the same thing is true of a press corner, which is what J.C. Horn is. Mm. Uh how Carolina uses him is very, very tricky because last year they were a very heavy zone team and they, they would play the cover one. And they would play press cover three. Uh, they had like Rasul Douglas, so they were comfortable with that model of player. Right. But it seemed like they wanted to be a zone team. And Horn has very little experience in zone. So if they ask him to go out there and play zone, I don't think he's going to get a ton of ball production. If they put him out there and ask him to play press, the goal of a press corner is to immediately disrupt a route and deny a target. Right. Uh, you can't throw the ball here. The right. receiver's not where you thought he was going to be. He's not on the correct timing, and I'm in his hip pocket. I'm going to create a pressure with my coverage. I'm going to mm-hmm. create a sack with my coverage, or I'm going to force you to check it down. Patrick Sertan, playing for a quarters defense, Vic Fangio in Denver, is a different situation. Mm. Now I'm in off cover. And now if you're, I'm going to give you access to throw this underneath, and then I'm going to close downhill and try to make a play, either on the receiver as a ball carrier after he catches it or with the ball in the air. Hopefully I'm arriving with the ball, creating a pass breakup or creating a pick. So if I'm going to take a player to produce interceptions, I'm going to take Sertan, who I think is going to play in a style of defense that's going to invite more targets and thereby give him more interceptions. Doesn't mean he's going to be better than JC Horn. It's just, that's how (laughs) if they both play well, Sertan's going to see the ball more. So he's more likely to get picks. Uh, the fun, the other fun player to throw into that is Asante Samuel Jr., who plays in a Brandon mm. Staley defense there with the Chargers, who's clearly going to start a lot because they don't have a good corner depth chart, who is very, very good at baiting throws at the college level, plays like his pops, where he's like, hey, you can throw this. I'm not that fast. Throw it. Throw it. I dare you to throw it. And then he'll get to the ball because he's the man. Uh, he's another one who I think is going to be productive on the ball in year one. Ben. Very nice. Well done. Is now- that it? No, I mean, well, it, okay, it is, but I do have another question for you. Are you go- are you going to invite me on the Solak show on on BGN? I've been told that you're never doing a podcast again. That's the word on the street. Well, here's the thing. I I don't want to be the main host for a podcast. I don't want to do all that much research for a podcast. My job description is totally different than it used to be. So this is like my last scheduled technical recording and I'm producing it and whatnot. But the way I see it, right? If I if there's there's no pressure on me anymore to be a talking head and sound like I know what I'm talking about, so I can come on the Solak show and I can give all the the bizarre Eagles takes that I want to give. Not only that, I'm not responsible for producing it, so I get to turn yeah. it back around on you. And I, I get to say, interesting. All of these things that you no longer have to do sound like things that you're making me do now that you're gone. <laughs> so now, oh, now that I'm going to do this, that, invite me on. No, I'm too busy. So I got to do all this other stuff. No. Hey, look, 
we have we have a great audio producer there at BGN. You can always leverage her, but just let me Make know so I know how uh, uh, annoying I want to be. Shout out Rachel Prevet. But like, if you're editing it, like I just I want revenge on. We there's over a thousand episodes on BGN right now, and I think hundreds and hundreds of them are us. And before that, even before that, we were potting together. Like, I want to be eating like a full bowl of like ramen for like no reason and like not chewing it to freak you out like that lady on TikTok. And then I want to like I want to get a rig like your mic rig, and I want to just bang it and give that that annoying blong sound that you terrorized. Hey, you me think with. this is revenge until? I don't know how to get rid of the sound and I have only one person to go to to figure it out and that's you. And so I'm texting you two hours after you do this going, hey, how do I, if they did the mic, how do I delete this? I don't know how to get rid of it. <laughs> Listen, I will bring you on at the peak of like Eagles zaniness. Like when there's a clip of Travis Fulgham, you know, not getting targeted when he's open during like seven on seven and there gives a conversation about does Jalen Hurts hate Travis Fulgham, and that's why he stopped playing. Like when we get to like uh, the, well, and we'll know the moment. It'll yeah. be like mid late July right. where something absolutely asinine gets discussed. I'm like, all right, now I bring on Kiss, and I'm going to ask you like 15 earnest questions about that topic and make you give me real answers. Oh no, you're gonna you're gonna make yeah. me come on for the episodes I used to hate to do. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> reacting to different narratives that are out there look man th- this this was a blast and i appreciate you uh coming on my my last scheduled recording of course had to be with you because it, it started with you in the beginning many what four years ago now it's not that long it's not too long but we've done hundreds of these and uh when I hope- was yeah 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 it no would- it have been it would have been four years ago Yep, started the 2017 uh, season. Were the reason that the Eagles uh, took home the uh, the trophy, and I will hear nothing different. Uh, <laughs> but Ben, let the uh, gentle listeners know. Uh, I mean, obviously, there's people from BGN listening, but uh, let our national listeners know where they can find you and and all your work because you do more than than just the Eagles. What's up, on Ben? <laughs> uh, on don't Twitter, turn, ben, don't turn so them alive. off right away. Right What's when we up? get it to the plug. S O L A K Benjamin Solak on Twitter. Uh, my draft coverage is at the Draft Network. My Eagles coverage is at BGN and on BGN Radio. Uh, thank you for listening to the SB Nation NFL show here on the SB Nation main feed, baby. Uh, Mike is the man. Every good SB Nation podcast that you have listened to or will listen to has Mike's fingerprints on it. I'm very, very proud of my dear friend. Thanks for having me on, man. We all we got. We all we need. Go birds, baby. (laughs) Sorry, I got to do it for the national audience, but we'll do it anyway. Fly, Eagles, fly.